This has been a podcast of the Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week. Everything that he does, everything that he has done. Thank you so much for supporting us. Thank you guys that as a healthy church, you directly impact the kingdom of God in a place that probably nobody in the room except for maybe this Butch, right? Heather's dad. He's the only one who's heard of it. But everybody else, you know, Estonia is a real country. It really exists. It wasn't made up by Disney uh, for a Disney princess movie. But you guys, you guys impact a place that is on the other side of the world. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, on behalf of my family, I think we have a photo of my wife, Olivia, and uh, my son, Oliver, who's 11, and Ava, who's 7. And uh, she has her sights set on world domination. Uh, so uh, we just we keep her under control, and we pray every single day that God would give her a good nature, that she won't become a dictator. So I don't know if can anybody here relate to that. <laughs> I want to read um, out of... The Gospel of John, this was written by one of Jesus' students, uh, one of his youngest students when he was with Jesus. He was kind of the, he was the favorite student. He was the teacher's pet. You know, he kind of wrote himself into some of the stories as the one Jesus loved. And uh, he kind of made fun of his, his other friends like Peter. Uh, you know, he would make him look really bad. This is John. He's an old guy by the time he's writing this. Uh, he's probably around 60, 70 years old. And he's reminiscing about the absolutely unbelievable, amazing things that he saw with his own eyes. And he's sharing this with every one of us. And he tells about a story that happened as they were going from the capital city, Jerusalem, and they were going back to their hometown. They lived in the countryside. They lived near a beautiful lake called Galilee. Uh, but there was a region that Jews avoided called Samaria. The, Jew, the Samaritans were people that the Jews, even religiously and politically, did not interact with. They were half-breeds. They were traitors to the true religion of Judaism. And uh, they would literally make you unfit to participate in Jewish festivities, festivals, if you interacted with them, if you were... A person like Jesus, a rabbi, a teacher. But Jesus, as you may know, and I hope you find out, is very different than anything we've ever come in contact with. Uh, Jesus is very different than religion. So let's read in John uh, chapter 4, and I'm going to read 7 through 42 out of the English Standard Version. I think it'll be up on the screen. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. They had decided to take the scenic route, the quick route through Samaria. And they came not inside of a town, but outside of a town. And Jesus sat there by a very famous well dug by their ancestor Jacob. 
The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? She's thinking living water, which is running water. The Jewish understanding of living water was water that had a spring, had a source, and it was the cleanest form of water. It was pure. It hadn't been contaminated from whatever falls into the well or into the cistern. If you know where this living water can be found, tell me about it. The woman said to him, Sir, have you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I give him will be, become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the guy you're living with now you're shacking up with him what what have you what what you have said is true the woman said to him sir i perceive that you are a prophet our fathers worship on this mountain but you say that in jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship jesus said to her woman believe me the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in jerusalem will you worship the father you worship what you do not know we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, where the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He's called the Christ or the Savior. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Just then, His disciples came back from Super Target and they had food. And they marveled that He was talking with a woman. Rabbi, Jewish rabbis don't talk to women. And they don't talk to Samaritan women. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So they completely changed the subject. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, one, to one another Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the sayings hold true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that for which you did not labor Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans 
from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you want to do something in our midst today with us that no human, no pastor, no church, no guest speaker, no sermon series, nothing could ever do. Lord, you take all that we offer you. Lord, you add to it your grace. You add to it your supernatural blessing. And Lord, we ask that at the limit of our abilities today, when we come to the end of that, Lord, we pray that you would come in and speak the way you spoke to this woman that you do something supernatural in every single life in this place. You would do it in my life. And Lord, we commit this day to you. And Lord, we thank you that global warming is finally coming to Minnesota. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. I don't believe in global warming. Although the earth has been warming up for thousands of years since the Ice Age. But I will welcome that. When I come back to Minnesota and it's minus 3 million degrees and you can't blink as you're filling gas up in your car because your eyelashes freeze, bring it on. Al Gore, come on, bring it on. Global warming, let's go. Either that or let's just transport the entire state of Minnesota down to Florida and we'll just just live there. Man, I am so excited to be here. I know, as Pastor Chris said, that God really wants to speak to us today. He wants to do something in our lives. And when we walk out today, I'm expecting that none of us are going to be the same. God has been speaking to me. Um, and here's something that I want to to bring out of this passage that God spoke to me. Um, God uses ordinary people. He intentionally chooses people that are discarded, and that are overlooked, a Samaritan woman who had to come out to the well at noon. That's not when you go out to a well in a Middle Eastern city, in a Middle Eastern town. You go out to the well early in the morning before the hot sun comes up, and you go out with the rest of the women in town. We worked among the Kurdish people in Armenia for eight years, and the women would go out to the water source outside of town and they would carry those two buckets across the you know long stick across their backs and we had medical clinics we'd come in and they would the the doctors from the u.s would tell us man these women all have these back issues from carrying that water this is when you, you go out early in the morning you gossip on the way to the water hole this is life this is this is your entertainment they don't have the Vikings playing the Panthers for all of you women. I know that you guys are just looking forward to that today. Just that that's what you live for. They didn't have that. Jesus chooses to use ordinary people. When we went to Armenia, I was 26 years old. I know I, 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 I look young now. I'm getting ready to turn 40 here in a few weeks. Imagine 14 years ago. <laughs> And uh, actually, when we moved to Armenia, it was a couple years after, I, I went ahead and got braces for the first time in my life. My parents couldn't afford braces going up. It was like $1,000 for the whole, like, 
two-year process, and I'm like, I'm going to do it. Man, I look like I just literally, you know, got, came home from junior high. And uh, so we arrived in Armenia. It was 2003, and we had gone, you know, nobody had ever been to that country from our organization, one of the largest mission-sending organizations in the U.S., and we were the first ones there, and, and we were trying to figure things out. And I was called, man. I was excited. You know, I was called to be a missionary when I was 17 and called to be a church planter uh, when I was 21. Uh, we helped plant a church down in Chandler, Arizona, and I felt a call to do that someday. But the call to missions brought us to Armenia, and uh, we were just fired up. My wife was so excited because her whole family had been led to Christ uh, from uh, an Armenian immigrant family that moved in down a few houses down from them. And she was best friends with that little girl. And, and it's a whole long, amazing story. And my wife would have never been born if this Armenian lady hadn't led her mom to Christ and got their marriage back together. And Olivia was born after they were remarried. And, and now here we were. We're in Armenia. And we're just excited. God had moved in our lives. He had brought us to this place. Um, you know, right on the Iranian border, we're just, you know, our country was at war with Azerbaijan and still is to this day. We're just east of Turkey, the oldest Christian nation and uh, all of these. It was just, it was amazing. And here I am like 26 years old and there's some pastors that we're interacting with, Armenian pastors. They had survived the KGB in the Soviet times. And uh, I just remember the look in their face when my regional director introduced us you know he's telling them we're going to partner with you guys we're going to we're going to come in and we're going to help you succeed this revival that god has started here you know we as our as the assemblies of god uh, missions program we want to partner with you and and help you just train your pastors and just fan the flames of what god is doing here and so we have a plan and here they are you know and you can just imagine these pastors that have been in prison for their faith you know, these guys who the only thing they had was, was uh, you know, scriptures. They didn't have Bible schools. They, 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 they just, on their knees day after day, pleading with God, you know, against the KGB, against the Soviet Union, and, you know, against the, all of the persecution, and look up. And I can't tell you how little I felt at that time. And then, nobody spoke English in the country. I mean, there were some translators, but we were on our own. And so we're trying to learn this language. And I remember one of our friends uh, we made there, his name was Samson. And Samson and Zarahi would have us over to their house to, to study Armenian and just try to help us out, you know, help these, you know, poor Americans, these you know, naive, you know, people that are completely lost here in this country, just trying to help us learn the language. So we would go over about three nights a week. They would make us some food. And I remember we were at that point in our language lessons that I had this little preschool version of Little Red Riding Hood. And I'm trying to pronounce these words. I was learning vocabulary. I didn't know all the words, but I'm sounding them out in this weird, you know, script, this weird alphabet. We get to the part of the story where mom says to Little Red Riding Hood, on your way through the forest, on your way to grandma's house, do not stray from the path which is the moral of the story. This is the, the most important part of the story. And I'm getting to that part and I'm pronouncing these words and I come up to that one Armenian word that means do not stray and it's chitzervez. But I didn't say 
Chitsurves. I said Chitsurves. And I look at their son, Gore, and Markar. And I'm reading, and I just see their eyes just, they're just light up. And they're looking at me like, what did mom say to Little Red Riding Hood? And so I, I, I noticed something was wrong, so I go back, and I'm like, Chitsurves. And, like, and then the, the older boy is about five, six years old. He kind of like, he runs out of the, the living room and he brings his dad back and brings Samson back into the room. And Samson's like, Nick, what do you read, my children? What? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, and I'm trying to put on Chutzurves. He's like, Nick, go, go, skip, skip, skip. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I need to learn this language. What am I, Chutzurves? He's like, skip, go. <laughs> and so later on, I'm asking Samson, what am I doing wrong? And I, He's like, it's not Chetzurves, it's Chetzurves. There's a Tza letter, and there's a Tza letter. And then there's a third one, Tza. There are three different letters, and if you say Chetzurves, Nick, don't say that. Don't, just don't say that. You can say Chetzurves, but don't say Chetzurves. And I, okay, help me, help me do this. And he's, Nick, just, just stop. And I'm like, well, explain to me, why, why is this such a big deal? And he said, Nick, Joe. John is what you call your friends. Nick John. Chitsurves means do not stray. But Chitsurves means don't, don't, uh, don't have an accident in your pants on your way to grandma's house. <laughs> like, oh man. And you're just like, God, why did you send me here? <laughs> like, what in the world? I mean, you're, you, and, and you feel it. You feel like you're in this place where. You, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know if you're accepted. You don't know if you're the right person for the job. But what happens in the kingdom of God? You know, he, there's so much theology in this. I mean, you could preach messages. You could teach teachings on this for months. It is so deep. He talks about grace and truth. He talks about we're going to worship in spirit and truth. This is a woman who heard from Jesus the hard truth. The hard truth that we don't want to hear. Have you ever experienced that? Jesus said, oh, yeah, yeah, you, the, the guy you're with now, I mean, you've had five failed marriages. Oh, nice to meet you, Rabbi. Like, this is a great conversation. Truth. And a lot of times we don't want the truth. And what does a doctor do for a cancer patient? Comes out, this is the truth. I can't sugarcoat it. I can't pass it by. Jesus never does that with us. Yes, you are young. Yes, you, you did not survive communism. Yes, you weren't put in, in prison because you were preaching the gospel. But what Jesus does to us, he comes to every single one of us. And he looks at us and he says, I want to use you. I want to use you just the way you are, just as you are. Because there is, there is truth, but because of who Jesus is, truth always is coupled with grace. His grace is so big. It's so boundless. There's nothing, nothing that anyone here in this room can do to get outside of the grace of God. And I love that the bridge has a value and has a practice of engaging in the mission of God. Because you have a woman here, woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, out alone in the middle of the day. And Jesus comes into her life. And he comes into the well of her life. And he says, not only am I going to bring the grace of God and bring you into the family, 
but I'm going to also include you in the mission that I have. And I love that John tells us the story. He tells us the, 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 the parts of that story that she went back into town and she just began to proclaim to all of those people in that town. And they, 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 wanted, you know, they wanted to see the show. They wanted to hear, you know, see the person that she was talking about and brings them all out. Jesus uses ordinary people just like every single one of us. I love in this story that John brings out how the disciples had left Jesus and they, they went into uh, to find food. They're going to they're gonna buy the food, do the transaction, come back, and Jesus is resting them. And at the end of the story, they come back. You know, these are the church planners that started the church. These are the guys that took the church from, you know, 500 people at Jesus' ascension into heaven to within 200 years, over 20 million in the Roman Empire, forcing the Roman Empire to acknowledge, you know, Constantine to acknowledge Christianity. These are the guys that would go to the ends of the earth and give up their lives. And here, you know, the heroes, St. Peter, St. Matthew, St. John, you know, these are, the, these are the big dogs. But here they are, they come in, and even while they're absent, Jesus was at work. Jesus was at work. A lot of times we don't know the things that God is doing with what we give we don't know the the work that he's doing with the the small things that we put in his hands the impact that we have i grew up in in church my dad was a pastor and um, every sunday we had sunday school before church started i don't know if you remember those days you know you come and you got a little bow tie on or you know you have your sunday best on and and uh, come into Sunday school class, and we were like the third grade class. We had a teacher, Vera North. She was a retired school teacher, sweetest lady in the world. Uh, her husband would never come to church. My dad would go and sit with them, and he just it was just hard, and he never, he never wanted to swallow his pride and cross the doorstep of the church. But Vera would come faithfully week after week, and she would sit with us, these like hellions these hooligans and i mean we were crazy we were wild but she was a good teacher she understood how to get through to kids you know so she wanted to get the word of god in us so we had the, the memory verse every week you know and we had the flannel graphs you know she would use you guys remember flannel graphs anybody here you know you stick a, a little picture of a pharisee up on a piece of flannel it'd stick there and you tell the story and those are the old days and uh and so she was getting the word, and like she would give us the scripture verse, say, go home, bring this back next Sunday, and have it memorized. And that was the plan. And so we would come back, and I remember, you know, that, that your Bible opens the next Sunday, and it falls out. You haven't looked at it since last Sunday, you know. But she, I told you she was a good teacher. She understood how to get to our hearts. She understood how to motivate us. She understood how we tick. And I remember when she started offering us money, we would come back the next week with the the verse memorized and all of a sudden you've got these you know 10 hooligans i mean we were like scholars i mean we got our day timers out we had things planned and i mean we were academics that we would come back and it was boom i've got those six words memorized you get that quarter those were the days vera north vera north was a person that 
probably very few people left in this world remember. Um, she didn't have a huge ministry. She didn't have an impact on the world that anybody's going to write books about. But Vera North, every Sunday that I would come into her class, she would look me in the eye and she would say this, and I remember it every single day of my life to this very day. She would look at me and she would say, Nick, God has a plan for your life and he's going to use you to do great things. And she would say that simple thing. And perhaps to her it was maybe a habit. Perhaps to her it was something that she said to all of the other kids. I don't know. I mean, as the older I get, I, re I realize that, you know, a lot of things really weren't as, you know, as profound as I, you know, you remember them as kids. But when she said that to me, I'm telling you, it changed my life. She put a spark in me. She did something for me that the average ordinary kid, I was, I was the kid who got B grades. I was the kid who didn't get, uh, you know, picked for the, the varsity basketball team and didn't get picked, you know, to play football and all of the. I was just, you know, I wore sweatpants every single day to junior high school. I was that kid. I was the, I was the, the average Joe. But there was something in me that resonated every single day because Vera North looked me in the eyes and she dropped something into my heart. Jesus is still at work even when we're not putting our shoulder to the plow, even when we're not, we're, we're not there doing the, the things that you know, we, we think we should do. The disciples had gone away, but Jesus was still at work. Jesus was still at work. And I want you to know today that there are people that you come in contact with there are people that you cross paths with that nobody else has influence with. There are people that you, you, you can share the pain that they have. You went through what they're going through. You had that, you, you walked that road, you walked in their shoes. You see them, you have influence, they look up to you. There are people in your life that nobody else can reach and Jesus comes into the well, to the well of your life, and he looks at you and he says, go bring those people and let's, let's have a conversation. And it's as simple as a spoken word, dropping something into somebody's life. And then John goes on. It's the third thing that I wanted to bring out. He remembers what Jesus said. They come back. You know, John's remembering the story. We came back and we saw Jesus. He's talking to a Samaritan. We didn't know what was going on, so we kind of changed the subject. Hey, Jesus, you know, are you hungry? <laughs> let's let's not talk about this whole theological thing where a rabbi's talking to a Samaritan woman, and now you're ceremonially unclean, and we got to go to a Jewish festival, and now we got to go through all these religious rites, and we all got to get cleaned up, and we're going to have to help you do that. Like, hey, are you, you know... And he looks at him and he says, I have food that you know nothing about. And he's, this is what he said, I want to focus in on. He says, look, lift up your eyes and see. He says, he says three times, he's redirecting their, 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 their hearts. Look, lift up your eyes and see the harvest is all around us. The harvest is all around us. When we went to Estonia, they told us that the average church size in the country was 18 people out of the 50 churches in the whole country. And that's all of the evangelical movement, Baptist, Pentecostal, everybody, Lutheran, everybody. 
and they they looked at us and they're like you can try you know go for it you know no they hadn't had church planters come to the country or from the country they hadn't planted a church in 10 years and they're like well i mean nothing else is working so maybe some dumb american can come in here and try to do something and so we started off with an alpha course and it's just you know 10 weeks you come and you have a meal and you just explain jesus and you talk about it and we're, we're meeting people and inviting people that had never met a christian in their lives much less be invited to a church or to something like the alpha course and on that very first alpha course there was a, a lady named freya that came we had to like haul all her kids and put them at our apartment and then go to the alpha course and freya comes to know christ and she's begging us to do another alpha course so we do another alpha course and freya brings all of her friends and she brings this family the moon's family they're in the video the moon's family they all come to know christ and we our first baptisms as a church we baptize them and so then we're ready to launch the church so that was like a year of pre-launch and we go into launch and god is just opening up doors into people's lives we had 74 people at our first launch service and so we're going on we do another alpha course and the moon's family they bring in all of their friends and they bring in a, a young brother and sister named marty and uh, uh kertu so marty and kertu come to know christ and we have our we come to our first baptisms we're a couple week, weeks before our first easter and the moon's family and mark martin kertu and the brazilians we saw fabio which is a cool name right fabio and tati they come to christ and we baptize all of them and we come up to our first easter 150 people show up and we go on and on and on it's amazing what happens when we just look lift up our eyes and we look and we see we lift up our eyes and we look and we see we do something as simple i mean a lot of you guys here you're engaged in the mission you found your place of service and you're doing stuff you know that's maybe similar to the alpha course you've got a, a small group and that's inviting people in and you've got a freya i'm telling you freya i hope she never listened to this recording but she was a handful i mean she was the one the person that you're like oh lord help me <laughs> but you just drop one little seed and the harvest is ready the harvest was ready she was ready she you brought her in and you never know the domino effect the harvest is going to come in jesus is the lord of the harvest jesus told the story he said the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire day laborers for his harvest field and he says the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out again and again and again even as the sun was going down they had maybe half an hour left of daylight to get out into the vineyard and bring in some more of the harvest because that landowner was desperate to bring in the harvest jesus said this is what the kingdom of heaven is like and he's so he's so passionate about the harvest that he just goes ahead and pays those guys that worked a half an hour the same he he was so overjoyed he is the lord of the harvest Jesus says, look, look, lift up your eyes. And so we disqualify ourselves when we say, it's the pastor's role, it's the worship pastor. Jesus looks at every single person in this place and he says like he said to Peter, on this rock I will build my church. 
Peter, the fisherman, the guy with the pickup truck and a gun rack in it with fishing poles instead of a gun. This is Peter. This is the guy with like 13 broken down ATVs. This is Peter. Or snowmobiles. And he sends them out. 3,000 come to Christ. Why? Because the harvest is ready. Jesus is working. And he's using ordinary people just like every one of us. I want to pray with you today. Lord, I know that you are at work in people's lives in ways that I could never understand. You're speaking to people in ways that I'll never know. But Lord, I pray that you would do a work in us. Lord, because the harvest is all around us. It's all around us. And Lord, we don't know exactly what you're doing and how you're doing it, but we know that you're speaking to us right now. You're giving us images and thoughts about people, about ministries, about opportunities. You're pulling us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to respond, that we would take the next step. We would sign up to be a part of the small group. We'd sign up to lead a small group. We'd sign up to engage in a ministry team. Lord, right now I pray for those people who are hearing this and they're on the fence right now. They're on the fence about going all in with you. Lord, I pray that they would just jump and run into your arms because you're going to speak the truth to them and it's going to be hard, but you're going to have grace for them that is boundless and matchless. I pray for them. Lord, that they would be born again. They would be born fresh and new this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give it? Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week.